Welcome to The Pick. Uh, we are your hosts, John Otney. Colin Westman. And Sean Lemmy. This, of course, is the movie podcast where every week we review a movie and talk about it and have fun and share memories. And at the end of the episode, someone else picks a movie. Uh, no uh-huh. questions asked. Power of the pick. Low concept. High fun. Those are the rules. This is the third time we've had to start this podcast. It's almost as if there's some sort of invisible feed who's uh, messing around you know he's 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 pressing all the buttons on my laptop goofing around doesn't quite work i'm kind of, i'm trying to kind of like go for like how like gremlins mess with planes but i don't really think it works to say that like the invisible man is messing with my computer i mean he's pretty mischievous in this movie like he has some like hardcore super villain lines they're uh, they're pretty funny i wrote some of them down yeah we're watching the invisible man 1933 because they're coming out with a new one uh i believe by the time this episode's out that will be out and people seem to like it it's being uh made or was made by lee winnell of upgrade and insidious uh fame james wan's buddy uh, we're recording this on James Wan's birthday, which is a fun <laughs> fact I found out on one of our failed recordings of this podcast. So happy birthday, James. Sean also uh, pointed out it was Ash Wednesday. So happy Ash Wednesday <laughs> in the past. That was only because we were talking I, about Jesus a whole lot in that one introduction gosh, for some Jesus. reason. I got so mad that as we were introducing ourselves, you know, John Otney, no one says anything because no one knows who goes next in the roll call. I just I don't Jesus like Christ. that we mix it up. I feel like there's supposed to be a system, though, right? Isn't it supposed to be like oh, I go? Are we gonna really part I go kimono? second. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess we don't need to have our we don't need to have our quarrel on the actual podcast. This is like uninteresting off podcast. It's, it's fascinating. People need to know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, let's let's talk about the Invisible Man. But first, we gotta talk mm-hmm. about our little picks. Our little perks. This is yeah, where we we, uh, we recommend uh, you know other stuff that we've been into lately. It can be anything. I haven't seen anyone review anything outside of like a game or a book or a movie or a show yet. Though I'm really excited for someone to be like review a candle. Uh, <laughs> Are you gonna review? You know, my the, my uh, mom has a lot of candles. I was going to ask if you're going to review the McDonald's candles that they're coming out with. <laughs> that There's... Have, what? Yeah, they're coming out with candles in... that have, like, each flavor of a Big Mac in in a candle. <gasps> Ooh, gimme. So if you want a 100% beef candle, <laughs> you can own it now. I think I... See, that's just a, a problem. I'm going to be hungry all the time. I think I saw on Twitter that they're also doing bagels now at McDonald's. Weird. Which I, I saw like an article where like someone's like they put too much cream cheese on my bagel, and I was like, I was like, McDonald's has bagels. I was like, this is news. <laughs> so why is yeah, this man anything dying? Can go. As he's eating <laughs> He just had he so much cream cheese. Yeah. He's choking up. I mean, if you if you looked at the amount of cream cheese that was on this bagel, I think, yeah, you'd be All like, right, I'm going to try to. I think I need to die. <laughs> but a Big Mac candle. I'm going to look into that. I want to review this candle for this movie All right. podcast. All Sean, right. Well, Sean, yes. I'm, I've looked into the Mick monstrosity. And... You guys are not ready for how much cream cheese is in. Oh, I saw it. It's a lot. It is. It is a Big Mac amount of cream cheese. Like all the patties of a Big Mac added together, but as cream cheese. That's horrible. Almost as horrible as that Invisible Man, which actually plays into my little pick because guys i read the invisible man book by hg wells in preparation for this podcast 
I did it in secret. I did it invisible to you guys. <laughs> you little schemer. A little schemer, just like the, uh, just like Griffin, the Invisible Man. And uh, I don't have too much to say about it because I, I just want to pepper in fun facts and we're actually talk at the movie. Uh, it was surprisingly faithful, the movie, to the book. So there's not that much to add. I will say that in the book, the Invisible Man is less of a stinker and more of just like a psychopath. Because in the book, whenever someone pisses him off, he just murders them. Like, he's pretty cool with it. He murders a lot of people in the book. It's got a pretty good body count for a for a book from the 1890s. Uh, and it's also a lot scarier, which I was surprised. There was actually some pretty creepy stuff in it. There's um, there's a segment of the book where he gives his uh, his origin and uh, how he went through all these experiments becoming invisible, and there's one particular experiment where he turns a cat invisible, but the cat's eyes are still visible, and it's like wandering around his place, freaking him out. And, like, that's pretty cool. I would have liked to see that in a movie, but... Whatever. I mean, it's still a pretty faithful movie. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a fun read. I, I didn't realize how British The Invisible Man was. I mean, the movie, I'd say, retained a lot of that. Uh, it's <laughs> a very British. British story. But it's definitely, like, it's one of those books where when people talk, it's like, you can't even fucking, like, understand, like, any of the, the text, because it's like a bunch of, like, oh, my governor darling, like, it's written in slang. Yeah. So everyone just sounds like a Monty Python character. <laughs> but yeah, it's a fun read. It's a really short book. It's only like 189 pages or something. So it's basically a novella. But a fun read, creepy book, and creepy movie we're going to talk about in a bit. Uh, who else likes to share? would like to share their little pick? Um, well, I feel like I tipped my hand a little bit by bringing up the McDonald's candle. Uh <laughs> Because my little pick is the HBO documentary miniseries uh, McMillions, which is about the McDonald's Monopoly game scam, which happened in the late 90s, where this guy that worked as like a security guard for McDonald's started distributing like the $1 million Monopoly tickets to people he knew. And, like, the series, the first episode is about kind of the FBI sort of piecing together what this whole <laughs> this whole scheme was. And then as the series continues, and th there's still two more left. I watched the first four. It kind of just becomes crazier and crazier how you learn about how there's, like, mob connections to this thing and... Just all the different key players of these weird low lives that like would get their friends to take the the winning game pieces and like stage that they won, and then like the FBI in order to kind of figure out more about these people that were pretending to have won the games, they stage these fake commercials where the people have to basically lie and say you know make up stories about how they got these fake tickets um and it's a news story that i feel like is not well known despite it being like pretty interesting <laughs> because the trial for the the actual crime being committed here uh started on september 10th 2001 so uh, <laughs> it's kind of overshadowed by another big news event. So it's been fun learning about this thing that I had no knowledge of at all because it was a pretty overshadowed news story when it when it actually happened. Yeah, I saw the first two episodes. Yeah. I like it. I'm surprised McDonald's was chill with letting this air. I mean, not that it makes them look bad, but just the fact that there was any kind of devious uh doings yeah. you know associated with their brand but i guess they figured well we didn't do anything wrong so we're chill yeah you can do it yeah uh but yeah it's a good show like that contest except now except that it was a total uh sham but yeah hey <laughs> i got some free burgers that's all anyone ever got. I never knew anyone else who got anything but a burger or an ice cream. Mm -hmm. uh, McFlurry, I think, a few times. 
Ah, living, living big. <laughs> but well, I, Mr. McFlurry, what do you got to pick for us? Um, my little pick this week is Star Trek Picard, the um, new CBS All Access Star Trek show. Um, that is very much a sequel to the movie Star Trek Nemesis, um, and also tied in pretty heavily with the 2009 Star Trek movie, um, which it recontextualizes the events of both those uh, movies to to do now a sort of like rip from the headlines type story about refugees um, being neglected by. Um, the federation um and like the like bigotry that comes it's very much like hey we're doing a like what the trump era would look like (laughs) in in star trek times um which i know is something that a lot of people bristle at because um because uh the star trek universe at least the future of it is supposed to be a utopia and that's kind of like the thing that made star trek unique um is that it's, it's like there aren't really interpersonal conflicts in star trek shows it's all about just solving whatever the mystery of the week is because humanity is enlightened and everyone's perfect and working on becoming better um and this isn't that um i guess i've just gotten worn down and used to the fact that they're not going to do that I think at a certain point you have to admit that it doesn't make sense a hundred percent what they were showing to us in the eighties. Like, like they they talk about how the Federation doesn't have money, but it sure seems like a lot of the galaxy does, and it, it doesn't make any sense how that works. And you just and it's all just been hand waved up until this point, and now they're just going the other way and. It, and saying, well, maybe they do have money. Uh, but anyway, the show's about old man Picard kind of um, taking on a, a sort of desperate, quixotic campaign to find uh, this woman who he thinks is Data's secret android child. Uh, and he teams up with a motley crew of folks to, to do that. And they're, they're a pretty fun cast so far. Uh, Allison Pill is the other person in the show that I recognize. Um, but there are a few other, you know, talented uh, people in the cast and, uh, and some TNG era folks showing up in cameos. So I think the show overall is like, it's just what Star Trek's going to be like these days. It's more action packed. It's less utopian. Um, and if you're, if you've been worn down and, and have gotten used to what that is, it's pretty good. I think it's fine. Is it better than the Discovery show? Probably. I mean, it's only halfway through its first season. So, um, like, Discovery's had a lot more missteps, but it's also had a lot more episodes. So maybe maybe Picard will end up going in a very unsatisfying direction. Has there been any talk of a new Star Trek movie? I mean, yeah. there's been lots of talk. Okay. Is there, okay. Less talk, more Spock. Yeah, but I guess it was more just asking. Yeah, that could be a T-shirt. Actually, gonna happen. Less <laughs> talk, more Spock. Uh, well, for it's a supposed long to be time, Noah Hawley, right? Coming off of his big uh, hit film, Lucy in the Sky, Lucy or whatever sky. it was called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's not clear to me what that is. For a long time, the rumor was they were going to try to bring back um, Chris Hemsworth's character, uh, Kirk's dad from the very beginning of Clark. The Night Star Trek. Oh, shit, I forgot that it was Chris Hemsworth. Um, but then there was the whole, maybe Tarantino's going to write a new yeah. Star Trek. And so I have no idea if there's a script um, or who's writing it or if Noah Hawley's really directing it. So we'll see. He did open up Kill Bill with a old Klingon proverb. Yeah. It's much appreciated. That's cool. 
Because everyone respects the Klingons. Everyone respects H.G. Wells and his fantastic sensation, The Invisible Man. Is that what it says on the poster? (laughs) Yeah, that's what it says on the poster. They didn't have taglines back then. They're just like really gorgeous paintings. And they're just getting you hyped by being like, the greatest movie ever made. (laughs) And then the title. And then the producer's name in very big uh, letters. Because producers, they were a big deal back then. Colin, you know about old-timey movies. Isn't that the deal? Producers, they had a lot of power back in the day. Like, more so than today. Yeah. Something like that. I'd say that's true. (laughs) I think directors uh, were more hired hands. They weren't seen as auteurs as much in the studio era. I believe James Whale was kind of a hired hand on this movie. I mean, despite the fact that he'd made Frankenstein and would go on to make Bride of Frankenstein and made this old dark house, a lot of great films. And this movie definitely has, like, his his fingerprints on it. He added his his style, um, you know, his kind of uh, feel to it. Uh, but I think a big part of this movie, you got to start with um, the producer, Carl Lamel Jr., I don't know if you guys have, uh, you know, Wikipedia open or anything, but I would very m- much recommend that you click on Carl Amell Jr.'s Wikipedia and then look at his Wikipedia photo. Uh, I think you'll like what you see. He looks like a little kid in, like, a gangster yeah. school play. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> He's uh, 22 in that photo, but he was already uh, head of production. Wow. That's crazy. Basically, because his dad, Carl Lamell Sr., is one of the, like, four dudes who founded Universal Studios. So I Mm -hmm. I think that's probably why he got to be head of production (laughs) at such a young age. Uh, They called him Junior around the studio. And he's notable for, like, spending, like, way too much money on projects and, you know, just kind of making a lot of bad decisions. But his one great decision was all the uh, properties that he... um, he acquired to uh, to create the lineup for the Universal Monsters. Like it's this guy. This this guy has got the rights to Dracula, Frankenstein, Invisible Man. I think maybe later on, um, maybe even the Wolfman, uh, the Mummy, and like, yeah, maybe that doesn't sound like much. But you have to think it's not like these group of characters that we all associate together were always together. Someone had to like put a put a team together, so to speak. <laughs> Like, we could have just as easy, like, it could have been any literary characters, right? We could have had um, mm-hmm. Frankenstein and the Headless Horseman and Dorian Gray. Those could have been the Universal <laughs> Monsters. The Squad. <laughs> the I believe squad, that's the League of Extraordinary Dor- Gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it could have gone any which way. So, you gotta give Carl Lamella Jr. props for uh, putting a team together and finding these good properties, because, like, I wouldn't automatically look to the Invisible Man novel and think horror movie. And I'm not even sure how much of a horror movie it is. It's kind of like a sci-fi dark comedy. (laughs) It's very quirky. Very screwball. Oh, man. I just found out Preston Sturgis wrote an early draft of this movie. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's so screwball. Possibly. But it says that they... His work was considered unsatisfactory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I have a question about the Universal Monsters, but I'm not sure if I should save it for now or for later. I'll, I'll ask it now, and then I'll let you guys dwell on this for a bit. Obviously, we know we all know the Universal Monsters. Are they memorable just because of the characters? Or are these movies, like, special? Is there something about these movies that makes, the, you know, these characters live on? So I think that's something to think about for a minute. Unless you guys, you guys want some more time to, 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 to dwell on this? Possibly. <laughs> I mean, I haven't okay. seen almost any of those movies. You haven't seen I, Frankenstein? I think I might have seen Frankenstein. I don't remember it well. So that I guess that doesn't speak well to its memorability. I, I will say okay, I've well, seen most of them. I've seen Frankenstein, seen Bride of Frankenstein. I've seen The Wolfman. I've seen Dracula. I haven't seen The Mummy. Um or it's okay creature from the black lagoon i think i had kind of assumed the invisible man was kind of a second tier film compared to those other ones but after seeing this i was pretty 
delighted to see that I, I like it about as much as any of those other movies. I probably like it more than like Dracula or or the Wolfman even. I think the Dracula's f- a, little, a little clunky. It doesn't have any yeah. music. It's it, it feels a little stilted. Um I guess like yeah, I can weigh in on this now. Uh I was just thinking about all the Universal Monster movies and I think what what unifies a lot of them is they're they're all very short. They're all pretty <laughs> like uh they have a great gothic feel, they're quick yeah. to the point. A lot of them are like a lot of the good ones are more comedic too, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. There's a great sense of humor. They're just quick pace, easy to understand. They're great popcorn movies. Yeah. Uh, that just look good. And, uh, you know, a lot of good effects, too. Makeup effects, special effects. We can talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm curious, do you think that they have all inspired generations of filmmakers? Or is it more universal wanting to continue to capitalize on these properties that they own? That that every single one of those characters Colin listed has had a movie probably in the past couple of years. And, and basically for the past hundred years, there's been a, a movie <laughs> from, from each of them with a pretty regular frequency. I think, I think it's both. I mean, I think one, obviously universal is going to want to keep hashing out these characters to try to get some more bucks out of them. I mean, they wouldn't have started the dark universe if they didn't think these characters had some, some market value in, in today's age. But I, I do think a lot of like horror filmmakers are definitely inspired by these movies, particularly Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein are kind of the big, the big ones, the, the movies that are often held in a higher regard. Um, but yeah, like I think Invisible Man is probably a little underrated when you talk about a lot of those older Universal Monsters films. It's definitely better than The Mummy and Dracula. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, let's. I guess we can kind of just kind of go through the, the plot here and there. Uh, it's a pretty simple movie. Uh, it begins, as in the same way the book does, with a mysterious figure arriving in a snowy English village. Ipping, I believe, is the name. And uh, it's Claude Rains, wrapped in bandages, and he's requesting room, and he's just being a huge asshole about it. Like, that's kind of the Invisible Man's character. It's like, he's an asshole, man. Like, the experiment didn't just turn him mad, it turned him into a douchebag. <laughs> And I think that bartender lady is also in Bride because I she was screaming a lot in this movie, and I was like, I remember this screaming I've, I've in Bride of Frankenstein. Her before the actress Una Connor, maybe she was yeah. in like a Hitchcock movie or something. Yeah, she she definitely seemed familiar to me. No, it looks like yeah, she was also in Bride of Frankenstein. So James okay. Whale, he likes he likes her. He likes his campy performances, you know. Yeah. I think that's a big part of James Whale's style and what makes this movie so fun and his influence on it is James Whale, he was a fan of camp. I mean, he was very famously um, openly gay in a time where, you know, not like not a lot of creative people were. And he likes having this kind of flamboyant and over-the-top stuff in his movies. And I think that's part of what makes them so fun. Uh, so, yeah, comes the hotel. Um and pisses everybody off and goes up to do experiments. I feel like he reveals himself pretty early on in this movie. Yeah. Like, in my memory, it's like he introduces himself, goes up, gets super mad because they're bringing in the mustard that they forgot. <laughs> and then I just imagine him taking off his bandages, right? Is there something else? Is there anything? No, it's, it's pretty much it. Oh, God. And it's so good because uh, he t- starts taking out his bandages and I'm not trying to jump ahead too much, but I just love this part so much. Um, I'll probably backtrack a little bit, but that scene where like he's stripped down to his shirt and he just running around going, Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! I love the villainous cackling that Claude Rains does in it. It's hard to imagine anyone in real life doing it, but seeing it in this like manic horror comedy it just like works for some reason the the whole movie feels like um like a, a good villain origin story episode of batman the animated series it, oh definitely yeah it's it's never it's never scary like a horror film uh <laughs> although obviously there's, there's like a, a horrific concept in, at the center of it mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's just great to watch this like budding supervillain <laughs> go from 
being cantankerous and wanting to be left alone to like I'm going to rule the world. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's what the Joker should have been, right? <laughs> this is what the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix should have been. Should have been more fun like this. This movie has a lot of fun. This movie has a constable that literally says, What's all this thing? <laughs> like, I didn't think that was actually from anything. It's in this movie. He says it twice. First, someone goes up the street and says, There's an invisible man up there. And he goes, What's all this thing? And then he goes up and he opens the door to the room and he says it again. Yeah. I am so happy to see that a British person at some point in time has said this. And it's like, James Whale is British, too. It's like, it's, it's not like it's an American thing. I guess this is what British people are like. He's like, yeah, this is, this is good. This works. <laughs> this is what British people are like. But I guess this is a very cartoony version of British people. It'd be like an American person doing a movie with rednecks, I guess. Hmm. Um. Yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. Let's talk about the invisible effects, because we're—I mean—we're right in there. He, we get to see it pretty early on. Is this effect good? Is this interesting? Like, wow, watching this, however many years later, almost a hundred years later, how do you feel later. about it? Almost a hundred years. Yeah, how do they hold? How do they hold up? Well, I, th- I think well, they're fun. Yeah, I, I think any <laughs> effects from this era are like inherently impressive because it's like movies haven't been around that long like trying anything ambitious is is usually pretty impressive when you watch movies from this era uh i feel like they hold up pretty well i i like that there's actually a lot of <laughs> the the invisible effects in it. I, I coming into it I thought maybe I'd get a little short change but like they really they do a lot both with like the whatever back backlit i don't know effects that they do of claude rain's clothes and everything but also even there's like the scene where he goes into the bank and he steals a tray of money and he you just see the tray walk out the door and then he throws it out and then he's just like ha, ha, money money like money 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 yeah, this is like there, there's just so many floating ham from toy story yeah floating things floating clothes it's it's they 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 really go all out with it which I yeah i'm i'm curious if if anyone bothered to look up how that because it looks now like what you would see if someone was like in a in a green screen mm-hmm. you know if like they're if they're in a green suit in front of a green screen with with just the shirt on or whatever it sounds like they did something similar to that so claude rains was in a Completely black velvet suit. I assume that means his face is covered in black velvet as well. And then they combine this shot with like another shot of the location, and then they'd use like a matte process to kind of merge the footage somehow. Oh, so, so kind of like the Tron suits. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like that. Uh, but apparently, Claude Rains was like super claustrophobic and was like terrified making this whole movie. I'm surprised that he was actually in the bandages the whole time. I didn't think about that. Uh, I I remember hearing the same listen, stuff about um, the first Spider-Man movie. The Tobey oh, Maguire really? hated was, the Spider-Man costume, oh, totally made him right. super claustrophobic. So l- let's talk about Claude Rains for a minute. So this is his American film debut, and that's crazy because he wasn't like a super young man. I guess this is kind of like an Alan Rickman thing, where it's like he was mostly a stage actor, and then finally decided to give screen acting, you know. A shot. I mean, he went on to be nominated for for four Oscars. But uh, is this a is this a memorable performance? Despite the fact that it's mostly just his voice, I, I would say so. <laughs> just yeah, just, just like the glee in the in in being evil that he brings to the role is is pretty great. He, I mean, yeah, he had an interesting career trajectory because it. I feel like he's really the only one of the, I don't know, guys to star in any of the Universal Monster movies that would actually, like, yeah, get nominated for Oscars and become, like, one of the most respected character actors of of Hollywood's golden era. I mean, he's in a ton of classic movies, but that's, that is that is kind of crazy that he got his start here. I guess he didn't star in a lot of movies, but... 
It's definitely interesting when you consider the types of characters he went on to play in his career. Usually very, like, dignified, you know, the kind of characters you would expect a classically trained British actor to play. Not, you know, the Invisible Man who's stealing money and plotting to kill everyone in the world. Yeah. Uh, fun way to, Though then again, I mean, look, Alan Rickman, he started out playing a supervillain. It's a good it's a good thing to do if you're, uh, if you're a classically trained stage actor. You know, ham it up, man. Mm-hmm. Swim in the river of ham. Uh, so as he's uh, beginning his um, reign of terror, we are also introduced to uh, his fiance, who is uh, Gloria. It's been eighty-four years, Stewart. You know, that's the old lady from Titanic. That's insane to me that she's in both of these movies. Uh, I don't know that this character is very good, though. This is kind of what women characters were like in a lot of horror movies back then, where they were just very like much screaming and just like crying and sad about their marriage or not being married something about marriage uh and she's um comforted comforted by kemp who uh is kind of uh her her father's a scientist played by um the guy from uh from it's a wonderful life clarence the angel henry travers yeah henry travers yeah that's nice and then Kemp is uh, like a, I guess like a protege or an apprentice. But what's interesting is in the book, is uh, Kemp is a much different role. Kemp is uh, not introduced until the middle of the book. There's in, in the book they don't have any of the fiance stuff. That's not a thing that we ever learn about. But Kemp is like some guy who lives in the British village, and then the little man like breaks into his house, and they're like, oh wait, I know you. We went to like university together, and like they mm-hmm. they try to be like befriend each other but then like um kemp try like betrays him and then leads like all the people to try to hunt him down kind of like his van helsing in a way where in this movie he takes on a totally different role of being like he starts as uh yeah the, the assistant to the scientist and he clearly wants to uh you know get it on with his fiance but then like later becomes like his bumbling sidekick uh which is kind of odd he does have a, a bumbling sidekick in the book but it's a totally different character that's not in this movie mm-hmm. it's this like tramp that he finds named M- mr marvel <laughs> it's not stan lee <laughs> i think man it's, named it's thomas most, marvel i think it's the most effective horror stuff in the movie because we see that um from kemp's point of view he he's never safe like uh, you, you see him like contemplate calling the police a bunch of times, and he's like sometimes he can't work up the courage because he has no idea if Griffin's in the room with him or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's like the whole 2020 movie is just that. Um, but it's just a part of this one. I really feel like Kemp kind of came off as kind of a bitch though like or even early on like yeah he's invisible but just like get out of there you don't have to go along with him the whole time i just feel like he's like we're gonna do evil shit and he's like okay i just feel like he doesn't put up any kind of fight to this oh uh i since i wrote down a a handful of the invisible man's lines i guess this is a good time to share one of them uh so when he's uh, meeting with kemp and he's sharing his plans uh here's one of his plans (laughs) We'll begin with a reign of terror. A few murders here and there. Murders of great men. Murders of little men. Well, just to show we make no distinction. I might even wreck a train or two. Just these fingers around a single man's throat. That's all. So He does it. They do show a train getting wrecked later. <laughs> looks like miniatures, which I always love to see in older movies. I'm a little confused. So in the book, the Invisible Man, his whole thing was, yeah, he he wanted to turn invisible. He did it. He was, like, really into it at first, but then realized, oh, my God, it's super hard to live like this. And he goes to this uh, isolated town to try to, like, do research and try to turn himself back while also kind of, like, robbing the town for money and just, you know, stuff to survive on. And then the town slowly turns against him and he's become, like, a fugitive where it seems like this movie is just like he came did what did he come to do in this town was he still trying to turn himself back but he just went yeah. too crazy yeah he <sighs> he had to skip town because he didn't want his fiance to not see him um so he 
went to go figure out what the cure was in this remote village instead. Yeah, but then it seems like he gets so into, I'm just gonna just be a supervillain. I'm just gonna... <laughs> uh, he literally says he's gonna start a reign of terror. Yeah, well, because the, the lady is bringing him tea or whatever, and he's like, get out! And he closes the door and uh, breaks her, her teapot. And so she's like, we gotta kick this guy out. Yeah, I mean, and it escalates very quickly where, yeah. like, the whole town is <laughs> on to him. And it's like he, he amasses a, a mob against him in a very short amount of time, which maybe him becoming a villain is a reaction to that. He just can't help it. But, yeah. I guess I, another part of the plan... Yeah, I'll, I'll go real quick. Another part of the plan was that he wanted I, I know there's a throwaway line about like we'll have invisible armies <laughs> so i don't know if like uh, he's like since he feels like an outcast maybe he wants to turn everyone else invisible at some point though i don't really know how he's gonna do that but uh so my understanding was he line. his plan was figure out what the cure was and then after his reign of terror he was going to sell invisibility to the, the world government that was the highest bidder. Oh, that's and then what he meant. They would the have the invisible armies. army. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So he's he's a he's a, uh, insane, but he's also a savvy businessman. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we we also uh, heard that the like the main ingredient in invisibility uh, also drives you insane. So. Whatever his mania was was only magnified by being invisible. I love how in old timey movies like this, there can't be any like ambiguity. There's there's like a line where uh, Clarence <laughs> Henry Travers <laughs> explains exactly how he turned invisible and like explains the whole process of how it works and how it comes from this flower. And his offhand uh, like says like I found it in an old German book by chance. <laughs> like oh that's how you figured out like we didn't need to know any of that but i just like that they included that how it all happened i thought that was pretty funny i think uh, that I mean, stuff yeah, is then, a little weak though right because isn't it more I mean, interesting if if you say well this is like it when when you have invisibility and you can get away with anything your morality goes out the window i think that's a more uh interesting stance for the film to take rather than uh, this cop out of oh actually there's like a little insanity ingredient in there too i feel like the book had an, a stupid explanation too they just didn't trust people there's cowards there's cowards they can't just be like look people are fundamentally bad <laughs> <laughs> want to do evil things and the only thing that stops them is shame Sean, they just figured out how to like make people move and on camera and stuff. <laughs> you know, there, there's still some time off. You know, to, to figure I out mean, I, I, I would love to talk about technology. Both like it, we talked a little bit about the technology to make this movie, but also the depictions of technology in this movie. I think are really great. Um, I, it, it's something I, I'm particularly drawn to. A movie like Rafifi, I enjoy because it's like it's so low tech. <laughs> Um, in in how the the core heist in that movie happens, and in the Invisible Man uh, as well, I love that. Like in a world with where you can't have motion sensors or infrared cameras or all the bullshit, I'm sure they use in more modern Invisible Man movies. They're like, I know how to catch him. We'll all link arms and hold a net. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. There's that part where, like, a const or some police guy or somebody says, We've had a lot of ideas. Some have been clever and some very stupid. <laughs> really liked that line. So, like, yeah, they know. They know what's up. Because, yeah, it's, just, it's basically just like a bunch of bumbling Three Stooges esque sequences of the Invisible Man playing pranks and stuff and mm-hmm. the town trying to, uh, you know to stop him and that's not really like that's that is a lot like the book like the book is also very silly with a bunch of bumbling townsfolk like it has that mob mentality um i thought uh, it was funny how um like in that first encounter 
uh, how quickly the townsfolk and the constable get on board with the idea that there's an invisible man. <laughs> um, and later there's the radio broadcast where they show like all over the country, people are hearing there's an invisible man and they're like, all right, we got to go catch this invisible man. <laughs> like, it, like nobody seems to question it. And I, I thought that was funny, but then it occurred to me, um, Orson Welles did that reading of war of the worlds, another HG Wells book, <laughs> coincidentally. Um, that was that was later than this. I think that was later in the 30s. And around the country, people were like, an alien invasion is happening. We're all going to die. So, you know, it was just a time where people were really trusting what was on the radio. And if you heard something fantastic was going on, you just believed that the world was fantastic and that shit was happening. Yeah, totally. They'll believe anything. They'll believe there's an invisible <laughs> man. They'll believe that college professors hate him. You know, people are easily tricked. Yep. Uh, I'm ch- yeah, it's just a bunch of hijinks, right? And then a mob coming. I guess I'm trying to think if there's any like really key sequences that are fun to dig into. But it's a short movie. <laughs> like we've described a lot of it. Surprisingly, <laughs> it's only 71 minutes long. This yeah, podcast will he, probably be longer. After he uh, takes Kemp as his unwitting hostage, he goes back to the town, and that's where he uh, he murders the guy, right? Yeah. Who was that guy? I don't even remember who he killed. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, as this uh, builds, it definitely yeah it does build to the uh, the angry mob, as do probably like nine out of ten Universal monster movies. <laughs> gotta have your mob. There's gotta have people with torches. It's gotta be somewhere yeah, in right? Europe. A lot of lot of torches and angry Europeans. I'm trying to remember how they caught him. I feel like it was a little anticlimactic. I thought Another it was thing because it, it starts snowing, and so they're able to follow oh, his right. footsteps, and so they just shoot him when they see his, his little footsteps making marks in the snow, and then they see oh, like an nice. outline of a body in the snow, and then they like bring him to a hospital. This part is fucking wild, yeah. because first of all, how is this surgeon treating the Invisible Man? What is he doing? But then second of all, he says, there's nothing we can do to save him, but he's going to turn visible when he dies. How does he know that? Nobody knows anything about how he became invisible or how to become visible again. And somehow this random surgeon's got it all figured out. I mean, he might have read it in an old German book by chance. Yeah. Oh, that's how a lot of people learned things back then. <laughs> but the German book I'm didn't tell guess you how that. to turn invisible. It told it told you how to turn a, a, a dog all white. I'm, I'm not saying he found the same old German book. I'm saying he had a different old German <laughs> a different book. Different old German book <laughs> that just hit on a similar subject. As for the surgery, I like to think that if you're a good enough surgeon, you can do it with your eyes closed and do it by feeling. <laughs> 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 I'm sure they used to practice that all the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do like that. Um, that's something that happens in, in the book, too. Uh, him, uh, after he dies, he slowly fades back to uh, his full form. Though in the book, they just kill him out in the woods. They, like, mob on him, and they like just beat him to death. And then he <laughs> just comes back. And I don't know. There's something so interesting about this guy who was this madman around killing people and causing all this mischief. And then at the end, you would never even know that he was the Invisible Man because he's back. He's, he's also a, that he's just effect. A dude again. So gruel, right? Like yeah, the skull and then the skin. <laughs> you fades see the in. skeleton. <laughs> and the hair. How after good that. this? How good would this movie? Do you think this would be a better movie if? It was the half invisible man. Where half of the movie, you can like just kind of see like some of his bones. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there's a part uh, where he talks about like, "Don't look at me when I'm eating because you can see the food as it's being digested." <sighs> yeah, yeah. So does this does this guy like fasting for days before he goes to commit his crimes? Like, it takes a while, right? 
I now I'm really wondering, like, what happens when he takes a shit, right? Yeah. Do you see that going on in there? Is he putting on a show? He's not taking an invisible shit. Oh, God. What happens if an invisible... Okay, so if an invisible woman, and I believe there is a movie called The Invisible Woman, is has is pregnant, is the baby invisible? <laughs> Excellent question. Great question. How scary would that be? I'm getting lots of good ideas. I'm going to write these down on a piece of paper and send it to David Lynch. <laughs> Maybe he'll make it into a short film or something. Uh, but yeah, it's a pretty straightforward universal monster movie. Um, I guess another thing that I didn't think about that's a common thing in a lot of these universal monster movies is the the main character is usually the villain or the anti-hero that they try to portray in somewhat of a sympathetic light. I mean, he's definitely a baddie, but I think, you know, he's got a fiance who loves him and people who care about him. So I don't know that you're rooting for him to die necessarily. You're you're, you're kind of on his side a little bit, right? Are you, you want him to get better. I, I feel like he's less sympathetic than most of the Universal Monster movies. He just seems like he's doing everything in bad faith, but I guess I guess there is that small element of realizing that, you know, having this power is what drove him to being a villain, but you don't really get any sense of what he was like when he was just a normal guy, which you, I don't know, you, you get that in The Wolfman, for example, but not as much here. That's fair, yeah. I guess not all the Universal Monsters are sympathetic either. I can't think of anything sympathetic about Dracula. Yeah, he's, really. he's not a good dude. <laughs> he's fucking sexy as hell. He is so fuck. That's like the one good thing about... Like, the Dracula movie, it's a little disappointing if you watch it. It's a really... It looks really good. Bela Gossi's really good. Eh, kind of a boring movie, though. It doesn't have any music. It's weird. Yeah, Though there is a version blah, you blah, can... Blah. You can watch a version these days that has, like, a Philip Glass soundtrack, and it's, like, busy as hell. Like, he's working overtime. There's, like, 8,000-piece orchestra. It's it's kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, and I don't have... And Adam Sandler do all the lines. I'm just waiting for someone to do the impression. Well, you know, if you're listening to this, just, you know... I'm sure everyone has their own version of an Adam Sandler impression, so you can do that in your head. Uh, are you trying to segue us into talking about Hotel Transylvania, Sean? Is the Invisible Man uh, in Hotel Transylvania the definitive depiction of this character? <laughs> what do you mean? So he's voiced by David Spade. And yes. The implications uh, are that he's up to no good a lot of the time. Yeah, but it's more... Oh, I mean, yeah, because he's invisible. He can get away with stuff, yeah. basically. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say it is. And I believe his name in those <laughs> movies is Griffin. And Griffin is a is always the name. It's the name in the book. I think he's just Griffin in the book. And then in the mo- 30s movie, he's Jack Griffin. And I believe even in the... Uh, the new one with Elizabeth Moss, the her husband being the Invisible Man, his last name I think is Griffin in that as well. Uh, so yes, David Spade is playing the def- the definitive Invisible Man in Hotel Transylvania. You know, the more I think about it, there's been some weird ass Invisible People movies. You guys ever see Hollow Man? <laughs> no. Uh, I should have picked Hollow Man. My understanding of Hollow Man is that it's a movie about someone who becomes invisible and then uses that power on exclusively the few people that know that there's an invisible person. Like, it's Yeah, an, it makes no sense. It's so stupid. Uh, it's I mean, some amazing effects in Hollow Man. If it has one thing going for it, like, he wears this weird, like, Kevin Bacon mask over his <laughs> face, so he looks visible to some people. But, like, He's just gross. Like, he's just out there committing sex crimes. Like, he's a gross rapist, and he has, like, super strength, and it's just a fucking weird movie. Maybe I should have... You know, there's always there's always time for me to pick another Invisible Man movie at some point. I bet he's got a pretty impressive villain's wiki, you guys. Um, I would do the villain's wiki for this episode, but honestly, the Griffin Invisible Man has a pretty small one. I'm very unimpressed with it. 
Not surprising. Um, he seems like such a clean I'll cut get to it in a evil minute, doer. <laughs> one, one more Invisible Guy movie I gotta talk about, and yep. I gotta recommend to people, because I don't think most people know about it. Have you guys ever heard of the movie Memoirs of an Invisible Man? It's not a super well-known movie. It's a 90s movie. I think, I, I think movie. I've heard of it. I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Well, it's a book from the 80s, and then it became a movie in the 90s. It stars um, Chevy Chase. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. this is a movie that... Uh, it was like a dream project for Chevy Chase after he read the book. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, he wanted to be played completely straight. It's basically like a guy turns invisible and the government's after him, and it's like a spy thriller, right? Um, but like, (laughs) I'm in. Yeah. And then, but like, and it was supposed to be an Ivan Reitman movie, but Ivan Reitman, like he wanted to make a lot funnier, you know? And like, uh, Chevy's just like, no, this isn't Clark Griswold turns invisible. This is serious. (laughs) So, but the movie ended up being like a weird mishmash of like, it's pretty serious sometimes. And then like a little silly, um, and of course, the person who ended up directing it was John Carpenter, which is very yeah. weird because I feel like it's probably his least discussed film. It's a weird movie. I didn't even One know thing I remember, uh, a couple things. There's, there's two other things I really like about it. Effects in it, not bad. Early, this is like 1994 CGI. It's questionable, but it's kind of cool. You can find some creepy images online of chevy chase wearing a weird mask over his invisible face or like i think they try to do makeup over his invisible face but then by the time they're done it's like perfect which is like i don't know if they'd get that perfect Uh, (laughs) and then the other thing i like about this movie is uh the music was done by shirley walker who did all the music to batman the animated series so it feels a lot like an episode of batman the animated series So, Sean, when you pointed out that The Invisible Man, the original film, feels like an episode of Batman the Animated Series, it just all clicked. The Invisible Man is a Batman character, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why the Joker should have been more like The Invisible Man. That's my my conclusion. (laughs) Okay, do you guys want me to go to Villain's Wiki, or are we going to do a Sean's Goofs? Yeah, my Sean's goof this week is pretty weak. Um, it's just that uh, during the riot at the pub, a technician can be heard yelling, Stay on camera! <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's in the movie? That's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, they That's didn't have good. that much film in those days. It was hard to come by. <laughs> it's the middle of the Great Depression. Gotta use everything you got. And you're probably shooting a whole movie in like three days, too. Yeah. All right. Then I guess that means it's time for John's Rogues Gallery. All right. Guys, we're talking about Griffin, the Invisible Man. He is an evil doer. Hell yeah. Alias. The Invisible Man, Doctor Griffin, mm-hmm. John Griffin, because I guess John oh. and Jack are interchangeable for some reason. Sure. No one's ever called me Jack. Do you want us to? I don't really know how that works. I don't call no because I've always said if people start calling me Jack and then say my last name, you know, like correctly, but also spoof on it, they can turn my name into Jack off me <laughs> or Jack off me or something, <laughs> and I don't want that in my life. And I should stop saying that because I'm putting the idea in people's heads. Don't call me Jack off me. It kind of sounds like you want us to call you Jack off. <laughs> okay. Griffin, evildoer. Occupation, scientist. Powers, yeah. skills. Invisibility, improved strength. <laughs> I, I guess. like He's just like a little bit in better shape. Does he do anything in the movie that shows that he's strong? Uh, he overpowers those police pretty easily. Yeah, he, like, throws some guys off a cliff. That ain't easy. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like uh, a he move derails by a that improved strength. Yeah. I mean, he derails uh, the train by just, like, switching the tracks. But, yeah, he's got to push that lever. And another power skill, genius-level intellect. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't come off super smart with his villain plan, but, I mean, he turned invisible. He's the only person to ever do it. He's got science smarts, not like, I don't know, logic smarts. Goals. Find a cure for his invisibility. And commit as much chaos as possible. (laughs) I'm starting to learn with Villains Wiki that if it's a villain who does just kind of like cause random chaos, it'll it'll have that same sentence in every single like description. It's either going to be commits as much chaos as possible or makes insert blanks life a living hell. <laughs> Seems like Villains Wiki is limited in their descriptions of these characters, but that's okay. It's fun. I mean, does it say crimes? That the Invisible Man makes Kemp's life a living hell. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Kemp's having a good time, right? Yeah. It doesn't say that here, but it sh- it could. I'd say he's, he's making it a living hell for... It should have said make a living hell for the people of, of Ipping. Mm-hmm. No, one's, no one's having a good time. Uh, crimes. Murder. Assault. Mayhem. <laughs> Charged with the, uh, ten counts of mayhem. Do you think mayhem uh, okay. from those Allstate commercials is on Villains Wiki? <laughs> Played by that guy from Thirty Rock. Oh yeah, that took me a minute to remember that. Yeah, Mayhem. Let's look it up. I'm gonna look that up because <laughs> I'm almost done here with uh, Griffin's Mayhem. Wow, there's a lot of people. Oh my god! Please, please, please. Oh, he does, but he doesn't have any stats. No. I'll, 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 I'll. I'll you know, I'll kind of look through it in a minute here to see if there's anything funny on it. Um, okay, almost done here with Griffin. Can you guys guess what Griffin's hobby is? Right, Don't overthink it. Westing. Just think of anything he does in the movie. Eating. No. Doing science. Researching. No. Experiments. No, these would all be much better uh, hobbies than what's actually in the uh, in the entry here. Committing crimes, getting warmer, <laughs> killing people, world domination. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Yeah. Griffin's hobby is killing people. <laughs> exactly, you got it exactly right. That's exactly how they worded it. Hobby, killing people. That's it. I mean, he really does sound like he takes. A lot of delight when he talks about killing people, <laughs> and that's some, that's pretty cool, right? For a movie from 1933 to have this much killing in it. I mean, yeah, it it is a uh, pre Hayes Code film, and it it does feel like it a bit. You know, if you compare it to say like the gangster movies of that era too, where you're like, you're just showing a guy who's a fucking villain just be a villain <laughs> i mean he does get his comeuppance but like uh, he's 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 not he's not that great morally which i, I guess is why they put the haze code in effect and then there's a type of villain i think you guys could probably guess i don't want to make you know i don't want to make everything a quiz but i think you could probably guess what uh what type of villain he is or at least get close this is always tricky because Villains Wiki doesn't have like, there's all there's like a hundred different categories for type yeah. of villain. It seems it's so almost st- impossible to get the right like wordage here. Invisible burglar slash murderer. Ah <laughs> uh, no, it's it's two words. Um, I'll just, you guys. I'll just tell you guys. Uh, the uh, type of villain for the Invisible Man. Would well, someone want to make any more guesses? You guys ready? You guys ready for Evil this? Genius. Y'all ready for this? That is a very good guess. Um, but it is mutated scientist. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are never going to get it. You're never going to get it. It's impossible. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of the word mutated. Yeah. Although it does make sense. 
Uh, do you guys want me to read a little bit from the Mayhem uh, Allstate <laughs> Villains Wiki page? I'll just read. I won't read the whole thing. I'll read do, a couple actually. sentences. Uh, Mayhem is the villainous and presumably immortal mascot slash advertising character for the insurance company Allstate. Although it can be debated as to whether he is truly a villain due to the fact that while he causes damage, he does try to give helpful advice <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> um, what else we got? He usually appears as something that can cause trouble, such as your blind spot, a random windstorm, a distracted teenage girl, a hot babe out jogging, a puppy that has eaten the back seat, a malfunctioning GPS, heavy snow on the roof, a filthy rich executive who cannot drive, a destructive raccoon, a glutzy maid, and so many more that can only be found on the internet and then demonstrates on himself what can happen if you have cut-rate insurance instead of Allstate by uttering his catchphrase, Get Allstate. You can save money and be better protected from mayhem, like me. He also seems to have readily visible damage on him from previous commercials. I really, really love whoever wrote this. I'm just going to fucking read the rest of it. Recently, he appeared in a series of humorous ad- advertisements during the 2015 Sugar Bowl. Is that right? The Sugar Bowl? Is this like a college thing? Where he appears as a burglar who breaks into the home of a young couple who are attending the game. He steals nearly everything, including a toaster, a TV, a weed whacker, a lamp, a blender. This is really detailed. A toaster, a trumpet, yoga mats, all the outlet covers, and six smoke detectors one of which he stomps. He then begins crudely advertising and selling all of the stolen items online, clumsily destroying several of them in the process. This could be considered his most villainous role to date. He also shares certain similarities with Fire Marshal Bill. You know that character from In Living Color? Classic character. There's like a couple more sentences, but um, I can't believe this person literally just described like a whole commercial and how like this is his most villainous role to date. Uh, but this gives me a newfound appreciation for Mayhem, you guys. What kind of... So it doesn't have his stats. What kind of villain would you say Mayhem is? Um, I'm going to go with Immortal Mascot. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely like... I don't even know. Because he's not like a real person. It is like he's almost like a spirit or something. Like, just following he's kinda people He's kind of like around, the devil. Basically. Yeah. He, like, influences like people in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, there, there's your type of villain. Greek, evil Greek chorus. <laughs> I think we need to add some stats. I really want to start adding and contributing to Villains Wiki now that I've started using it as a resource. Mm-hmm. You know. I should contribute. It's given me so much joy and entertainment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was definitely some pretty good filler. Um, I mean, it's a short movie, you guys. I could have spent more time probably talking about the book, but, I mean, what is this? Is it a book club or something? No, this is a movie podcast. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a fun movie. I don't know if that's super memorable, but it's just a good, good time. I mean, for a movie that's this old, like, yeah, it's it's cool that, you know, you can watch it today and, and, and still enjoy it as, as much, you know, so... Props. Props, Invisible Man. Looking forward to that new one for sure. It's going to be interesting to see a different take on the concept. Um, oh, also, one more thing. I was yeah. reading about invisibility, and I didn't. what I didn't think about is if invisibility was real, you would be blind. Because you wouldn't be able to see, catch the light in your eyes. You'd be fucking blind. Though I assume they, they have like some invisible force field explanation for that in Invisible Man rules, but interesting very scary and it'd be hard to sleep too because you can't close your eyes uh that's a line from hollow man sean <laughs> i mean that's not the exact <laughs> line but that, they go over that remember they got remember some things Dur- covered remember in the daredevil movie when he's like he can't sleep because he can hear so good so he has to have this weird tomb around a swimming pool that he sleeps in oh sort of god what a weird movie <laughs> yeah that sounds sort of familiar that's hilarious. And hopefully that's going to be your next pick? No. Um, for my next pick, uh, my first pick of season two, I wanted to stay on theme. So we've, we've done um, two body horror movies uh, to some extent. Uh, and I wanted, I wanted to finish that set. Um, and I also wanted to sort of keep it in the realm of um, the universal monster movies. 
Um, so there's a movie I've only seen one time. I, th- I think I watched it with John. And uh, I really have been wanting to watch it again for a long time. Um, and so it seemed like the perfect chance to make my pick an American Werewolf in London. Oh, my God. That's such a good movie. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. You've given me a gift, Sean. <laughs> yeah. oh. John's gonna go to town on that one. <laughs> Gosh, this these past three episodes, man, Invisible Man, Nutty Professor, American Werewolf of London. Mwah. Fun fact, John Landis almost directed the Nutty Professor. That is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> oh <There you> yeah. <laughs> Ultimate body horror trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Uh, so yeah, if uh, if you had fun, you know, check us out on on iTunes. You know, search uh, mildly please, and you'll find this and some of our other uh, podcasts. Or you can go to mildlyplease.com and find the pick. And uh, you know, just remember when there's an invisible man sleeping in your bed, who are you gonna call? The pick, <laughs> right? We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna help you out. <laughs>